This is your pal, Dane, the Crazy One Alves. I don't think that's a good gimmick name. I'll come up with something better. With Wrestling Geek Alliance, on here we talk the, the latest and greatest in news when it comes to Raw, SmackDown, everything's pro wrestling. So, tonight we have an amazing guest. Um, we have on the show tonight, Thomas Brewington. And um, I just want to thank you very much, Thomas, for coming on the show, man. Um, hope you're having a good one right now. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. The pleasure is all mine, sir. So, um, let me ask you a little bit of breakdown before I pass it to my awesome co-host who's also here, Chris. Um, Yeah, just just say some roars like Braun Strowman. That'll be the first thing, by the way, that we're going to go into, guys. Um, the death of Roman Reigns. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, anyways, Thomas, um, how long have you been doing um, wrestling in the indies? I've been an independent professional wrestler for going on the last seven years. I make seven years on April 21st, actually. And uh, it's been a fun time. It's been a real That's fun time. That's pretty cool. Uh, what what states uh, have you wrestled in? And if uh, there's too many, you can just give me a number, like an estimate. <laughs> uh I want to say around 10 states. Let's see. New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Virginia, Ohio, Indiana, Georgia, uh, Louisiana, Delaware, Delaware, and Connecticut. Oh, and Rhode Island, 11 states. There we go. I just did Rhode Island this past Sunday. That's pretty awesome, man. I mean, that's seven years of, of fun just traveling the whole East Coast. Um, what's what's your favorite venue that you've worked at? Uh, my favorite venue is probably the Sanctuary in Hazleton, Pennsylvania. It's beautiful looking. It's a it's a renovated church, and like the acoustics in there are amazing. Like you throw a chop, and everybody hears it throughout the entire building. Like it echoes. Um, and the lighting, the whole setup there is fantastic. I, I got to admit, when you said the acoustics, I was like, you know, I'm, I was thinking from a musician standpoint because I'm like, I'm a drummer. I'm like, well, what, what? Why would the acoustics need to be good? And then you said the chop, and I'm like, oh yeah, that makes so much sense. Is that you'd want to hear <coughs> throughout the whole entire place? Oh. Very cool, man. Absolutely. Uh, 
have, have you know have you been able to wrestle with or work with some guys that have gone on to have success in Ring of Honor anything? Oh, uh, in 2011, I got to wrestle Sean Carr once. Uh, I wrestled him in DWS in Pennsylvania, New Jersey. Uh, I've wrestled Mike Orlando, who's done stuff at Monster Factory. I've done. I've wrestled Brutal Bob Evans. Um, I've wrestled Punishment Martinez. Uh, I think that's really the ones off the top of my head that I can think of. What's the uh, what's the biggest performer that's been on the same card as you, or a part of the same uh, night that you were fighting? I guess that would be the same card. Um, I think it would have to be Road Warrior Animal. No, no. That's pretty. Awesome. I'm not sure. Is he the Road Warrior Animal or Kevin Nash? Both. Both are pretty cool. Big names. Were they cool in person? Oh, absolutely. Road Warrior Animal is a sweetheart. And Kevin Nash is like the coolest down-to-earth person you could ever have a conversation with. That's like, very awesome. smart. Right. Very, very intelligent. Uh, that, I think that's a, the, the better question is, is to you, especially like out of, you know, wrestlers you might idolize, doing what you've done, who's someone that you would say is a top person that you get to meet? A uh, top person I've gotten to meet... Um, hmm. you know, I've never thought about that. Um, Scott Norton. Scott Norton worked the same show as Kevin Nash, um, that I was just talking about. And I, I still text him, like, almost every day. And it's just nice to talk with him and, like, get his perspective on things. I'll, like, ask him his opinion on matches I've had, and he'll critique me. And, you know, it can be rough sometimes because, you know, this is a man who was a former IWGP champion. You know, he was in WCW. Like, he's, he's done a lot of yeah. stuff. But um, as far as, like, being able to converse with him on a – on a face-to-face basis or a, a person-to-person basis and not so much a wrestler-to-wrestler basis, it would probably flash. That's pretty awesome, though. That's, that, that's great. Let's go into uh, a little bit more about you. and um, So basically with you, uh, I've seen – see, the thing is, like, I can't break down your gimmick. I know that you have your, your, your name, but I saw an awesome picture of you with some face paint on. Do you tend to do that a lot, or is that something like a phase? That is uh, that is an alter ego I have that I call Devil Brewington. It's basically when um, I've had enough and I'm fed up with something, I'll, I'll crack him out, but I try to like keep him tucked inside if I can, because that's where I let out all the aggression, all the viciousness. It's literally me turned up a thousand percent at that point. Nice. I like that a lot. That's a, that's a good breakdown analysis of it. Kind of reminds me of Muta or even like uh, Mr. Finn Balor, uh, in essence, if you will. Uh, what what exactly is your 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 signature, your go to finisher? Um, I saw in one of the videos you did the hell of a kick. I don't know if you call it something different other than that. Uh, what what do, you, what do you consider your 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 defeat move? You're like, you're going to whoop this person's ass. Uh, well, I have two, actually. I use uh, the Spicola driver, the running Death Valley that Tommy Dreamer made famous. And I have something that I call the Boomstick Larry. Boomstick because I love the evil dead. <laughs> and just, I can raise my arm up and yell out to the crowd, this is my boomstick. And everybody pops for it so hard. Yeah. 
Uh, I also use I uh, something. I, yeah, I also use something I call the Neverland uppercut, which is the uppercut that you and I talked about off air. It's uh, the snapmare into the posted European to the back of the neck. It's honestly one mm-hmm. of my favorite things to do. Well, hell yeah, man! Before I uh, pass to my co-host, ask you some questions. I want to ask you one more thing? What was the? Uh, what do you think was the craziest like match you've been a part of, where you kind of like thought like, why did I do this? <laughs> um, there was probably one match off the top of my head that I can think of like that. It was a last minute triple threat TLC match where <laughs> the two guys that I was working in that match should not have been in the ring. So there was this one, there was this one spot about three minutes into the match where I took a ladder straight to the bridge of the nose. Right, right after I hit, right after I hit the dude with something, I for, I forget what it was. It might have been like a, an elbow or something. And all of a sudden, I turn back around to hit him with something again, and he's up, has the ladder, and throws it like step first. And all I remember is everything going dark, blood coming out of my nose. It was awful. So I lay there on the mat, holding my face, wondering, why did I do this? Why, why did I think this was a good choice? I should have finished college. You know, I was going to pass it to Chris, I think I, should, I, I think I should follow up that question. was what your favorite memory in the ring is, so you don't have to just go by, like, the worst. <laughs> uh, my favorite memory... Uh, my favorite memory is winning my first professional championship. It took six years to do it. Um, it was the company in Buffalo that is now defunct now, Old School Pro Wrestling, uh, me and my partner, my best friend, Eric, we were one of three teams involved in a series of matches that night for the tag titles. And it came eight days after my daughter was born. So she was in the crowd with my ex. Um, and even though we were only tag champions for like seven minutes, because it went new champions, and then we challenged, we cashed in our guaranteed title shot there. We won the belts, and then we lost them seven minutes later to the old champs. Um, but that's probably my most memorable moment, simply because it was my first title, and it was the first time my daughter got to see me wrestle. That's pretty awesome. Pretty uh, very memorable Money in the Bank type of concept going on. Kind of going against you at the end, but still. Um, all right, well, I'm going to pass it to Chris and uh, let him ask away. Sounds good. All right, uh I guess one of my my question is always, you know, what got you into wrestling? Was there a particular moment from WWF, maybe a, a match or a certain performer that really made you just think, okay, this is what I want to do? Um, I can tell you the match and the performer. It was a uh, Royal Rumble 1995, a Razor Ramon versus Goldust for the Intercontinental title. Now, Saying that alone, you probably think that it was a razor that got me into it, but but it was actually gold dust. So I'm I'm five years old watching watching this rumble, and I I couldn't look away from gold dust and like how weird he was and how how awesome I thought it was that he was just this weird anomaly of a person, and like he was he was wrestling like he was actually wrestling and being a character, and I was just immediately attracted to that. And I guess as a follow-up, do you have a, uh, a favorite match? A favorite or a couple match. of favorite matches. Maybe like top five from uh, 
well, any of the promotions. Okay. Um, I don't remember the date exactly, which probably won't help with this, but uh, it was Nigel McGuinness versus Brian Danielson for the ROH world title. It was after Danielson, what was it, did he fracture his eye or, like, his eyeball popped out or something? It was one of the first matches after that. Um, and Nigel went to basically leave the ring and the ROH locker room poured out led by Austin Aries. And was like, no, you're going to do this right. You're not walking out. You promised this crowd a title match. Like, because I, I was in the building there. That was a Hammerstein ballroom where that happened. I, I honestly wish I could remember the date. But uh, that was probably one of my favorite matches. Another one is the first indie match I ever watched from uh, IWA Mid-South. It was CM Punk versus Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio. And that's that's the match that introduced me to indie wrestling. That's the match that made me say, oh, you mean there's more out there than WWE and WCW? This is kind of cool. It was my first time ever watching Punk wrestle, and he he blew my mind. Like, being able to keep with, uh, keep up with Eddie and Ray, who, you know, I watched for all these years in WCW and WWE. Um, another one would be the triple threat TLC match between Edge and Christian, the Dudleys, and the Hardys. Simply for the moment where Jeff Hardy gets speared going for the belt. Like, that's that's one of those implementation moments where, oh, wow, I've never seen that before. That was awesome. Uh, that made me love tag team wrestling. Um, the Shawn Michaels-Rick Flair retirement match is up there. Not, not because it was such a good match, because – from from my opinion, as great of a perform as greatest performers as they were, it was neither of their best matches, but the story that they told during that match made it absolutely great. And then the Undertaker Shawn Michaels retirement match is probably my number one match of all time because of the story that they told, because of the the performance, and because you know Taker almost died the year before, doing that exact same spot. <laughs> it, was a, it was a little bit of a redemption there, but it, it stood out in my mind as, wow, this, this is the end of the era match. Not, not the WrestleMania that came two years after with uh, Triple, H and Sh- uh, Triple H and Under... Wow, yeah, Triple H and Undertaker in the Hell in a Cell. Like, it, was, it was Taker and Shawn for the second time that did it for me. That made me say, this This is what my childhood was made of. This is the wrestling that I was used to. I love that match. Yeah, and I think for everyone out there listening, the Eddie, the Eddie Mysterio and CM Punk match is actually on YouTube, so if you want to check that out. I believe Eddie Guerrero goes over in that match, if I remember correctly. Yeah. It's a great fucking match from top to bottom. I think CM Punk hits like a Pepsi plunge at one point. Some really cool spots in that match, so definitely check that out. And I agree 100% with the Shawn Michaels-Taker 2 match. I think we recently talked about that on the podcast after the uh, Omega-Okada match, just doing some general comparison. Uh, yeah, man. I guess we're pass it back to Dane, see if he's got anything else. But good stuff. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I'm just excited about having this awesome dude on our show, uh, you know. 
just having fun talking about wrestling and stuff. But, um, Thomas, do you have anything to put over before we start going into Raw and SmackDown? Um, let's, uh, let's put this over. Uh, this Friday in Hazleton, Pennsylvania, Sanctuary Stunt Studios promoting a Brutal Bob Evans seminar that starts at 6 p.m. If anybody that wants to be a professional wrestler as a current professional wrestler or, or just wants to learn more from the brain behind, honestly, one of the best things going in Ring of Honor, Brutal Bob Evans, uh, now, would be the, now would be the perfect time to do so. Um, the sanctuary is at North 172 Wyoming Street, Hazleton, Pennsylvania. The actual show starts at 8, so please stay, stay around for the actual show. If you're interested in a seminar, uh, the cost is $30, but you get a wealth of knowledge in the two-hour span that that seminar is going to be. I've done Brutal Bob seminars before. I've hosted a Brutal Bob seminar before, and it's, it's one of the best learning experiences I could ever imagine. Sounds pretty cool. I've always wanted to kind of go and, well, learn basics. Uh, what should I call it? Chris tries to get me to take a, uh, uh, what, what is it called, Chris? I was just trying to get him to take a flat back the other weekend when he was over at my house and he wouldn't do it. <laughs> I was drunk. I didn't want to do it. I'm more oh, manager. Oh, no, you wouldn't material, have gotten up. Okay? He, he, would, he would not have gotten up. <laughs> no, flat no, back. no. That's, I realize that's not the I could. I could do announcer. I could do manager. I don't know if I really want to be wrestler. I think I got too many body parts. But I'm big, but that's probably not a good thing either. But either way, like I said, Thomas, thanks for, uh, you know, joining our show. And uh, let's start going into some of the things that happened this last week. And the shake-up! The shake-up! No, that was Triple H. I'm trying to do Vince. Uh, this is going to be a shake-up! That's yeah, a little bit better. That's all right. Whatever. Well, It'll sir. fucking work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, guys, we're going to do a new format for the show. And, by the way, if you'd like to join us and ask a question, just call in at 929-477-3781. You'll be listening at that point. Press 1 to join the show. And ask a question with me, Thomas, and Chris. All right. Sounds like a uh, like a 90s sitcom. Me, Thomas, and Chris. I don't know where the hell I got that hopefully one out of. Not, but, uh, hopefully we're not on DC. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ABC or Fox we're gonna, we're gonna, canceled really quick. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, you're right. It, it really would. Um, but uh, for for this series, basically, just to let you know, Thomas, um, I'm gonna say an event. We're gonna go and and it's gonna be called the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. We'll go into the good stuff, then the bad stuff for both Raw and SmackDown, and then the botch jobs and or ugly concepts. And then we're gonna go into like what we want to see happen. Uh, with this new shakeup, so uh, we're gonna go with the good stuff with Raw, um, and I will I will call the person's name basically like I'll say Thomas when I'm passing it to you because obviously we're not in the same room looking at each other, so it'll be really fucking confusing if I just leave it out there. Um, so that's how we kind of like go back and forth. Um, but uh, let's go to this first one that happened on Raw. All right, you know normally you'd start off at the beginning of the show and kind of work down, and everything else for the most part is, but since we had an action movie happen in the middle of fucking Raw, I think that we should go and talk about that first. So, um, <laughs> I'm going to pass it to Chris, because I know that Chris wants to talk about this, but uh, I'll just call it The Death of Roman Reigns. An amazing compilation of Roman getting the shit knocked out of him uh, while he's having an interview with Michael Cole, smacked against walls, slammed against surfaces, things slammed against him. Uh, great Great cuts, um, especially with like the the what I, the dummy basically that was on the gurney getting thrown off, 
I mean, just over the top. At one time, at one, at one point, I was like, wow, that was just crazy. And I'm like, and then all of a sudden, goes, I'm not finished with you yet. And he would run over and do something else. He punched <laughs> three times in the ambulance and then flips the fucking ambulance. Like, I remember a story that I think Regis Philman said um, on WrestleMania, I think it was four or five. He was telling a story about Earthquake, how he, like, picked up a whole entire, like, something and slammed it. Like, we actually saw Braun Strowman do that, uh, to some extent at least. But, um, Chris, how did you like this segment? Oh, my God. This is so amazing. So, Michael Cole is in the back giving this goofy-ass interview. And then Braun's just like, I told you I would find you. And then proceeds to beat the shit out of him. Like, throwing him onto, like, audio boxes and slamming him against the door and then running the audio box into him. And they strap him up, like you said, put him in the ambulance. The whole entire thing was great, especially Braun lifting the ambulance, which I know has gotten some heat from some people, like, oh, that looks terrible. But, like, from a B-horror movie standpoint or a B-action movie standpoint, that shit was awesome. The only thing that would have made it better is when they loaded him in the smaller ambulance if he flipped that or stole it, and then drove it off a cliff. Oh, yeah, he was driving it. I was, I was honestly <laughs> waiting for that. I'm not even going to lie to you. <laughs> it was awesome. Everything about that was completely awesome. I do realize it's ridiculous, but some of the best things that have ever happened in wrestling have been a bit ridiculous. So I'm going to go ahead and say that was my moment for Raw, and the fans <laughs> chanting, thank you, Strowman. Afterwards, oh, was also awful. It was so awful, but it was fantastic. See, I don't even have any problem with Roman at all. I like Roman as a performer. It's fine. But it was just fucking, the whole thing was awesome. It was hilarious. It's the thing that, that with Roman is is the fact that, like, just quit trying. It's kind of like um, quit making Fetch try to work, basically. Like, from, from I can't believe I'm <laughs> referencing that movie on here. but But, like, quit trying to make him... Babyface, it's not working, and so it's. I like Roman as an in-ring performer. I wish that he had the charisma and like mic skills that his uh, cousin The Rock has, but obviously that's not the case. But it's just so fucking funny to watch this happen. Thomas, how, how did you feel about this whole segment? I laughed the entire time. I <laughs> I laughed the entire time simply because this is the person that they're building up to the next John Cena. This is the person that they want to be the face of their company. Let's murder him. That's attempted murder in any state. <laughs> like, it, it was so over the top, but as far as the WWE product goes, it works. And I, I hate how well it worked. I hate the fact that I couldn't breathe. I hate the fact that it took this to to make people realize that maybe Roman might not happen. But, of course, in typical WWE fashion, in like two weeks' time at payback, Roman's going to get his one up. And, hell, he might even be back next week to set that up because WWE, you know, you only almost died. No big deal. I think they're selling it as crap, cracked ribs. And like yeah, it's like cracked ribs and internal injuries. Yeah, I was kind of hoping they said he was dead, and then Bray Wyatt like brought him back to life. <laughs> and then he just rocked like a dead man gimmick for a while or something. 
<laughs> At least that would have been funny. I, too soon. Too soon. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, yeah, that was that was that was great. That was just absolutely ridiculous. When he was picking up the fucking ambulance, I'm just like. Come on, man! He's gonna pick up an ambulance now. But it was just—it was—it was good. I—I I don't. People are complaining about it. Either that people are complaining that look too fake. Shut the fuck up and just enjoy shit. Just go outside and enjoy something, okay? Just to, that's all I have to say. And people that are bitching about it, like I really hope that petition that you showed me, Chris, was bullshit about the girl that's trying to get Braun Strowman fired and has over a thousand people thing? signing this thing. Yeah, yeah over a thousand people have signed it. People, apparently, she didn't see you know anything from '91 when Vince came out and said it was a work uh, to know that it was a work. Uh, but I digress. Whatever. Let's move on, guys, to another a highlight of Rob that I enjoyed was the revival between the New Day. I think this works out just because Revival is going to be a strong tag team, and the New Day obviously made their leave and went over to SmackDown. But the New Day came out with a blow-up doll dressed up like Kofi Kingston. Um, Which was uh, And uh, Dash, and, Dash and Dawson interrupted the midnight hour and caught Xavier Woods coming off the top rope in a shatter machine to get the pin. Um, Thomas, how did you like this match? I love them. Like, I'm, I'm such a fan of the Revival, as well as I'm a fan of the New Day. And, and honestly, they, brought, they have amazing chemistry together. And so it's a little sad to see, mm-hmm. you know, the uh, the new day leaving for for SmackDown. Sorry, spoiler. Um, but like from from their early NXT days together, like Dash and Dawson have just been amazing. And seeing them being able to bring that same energy, that same you know that, that same consistency over to the main roster has just been a breath of fresh air for the tag division. Because in all honesty, the Raw tag division has been getting since the New Day lost the belts. And I, I hate to say that, but it's true. And honestly, with the New Day leaving for SmackDown, it opens up more competition. It opens up more opportunities for newer guys because they've done everything on Raw. Why keep them there? But as far as, as, far as the match goes, though, honestly, it was probably my favorite match on the card. Yeah, it, it was a good match. I enjoyed it, and I do agree with you with the uh, tag division. I just wish that they would let Anderson and Gallows like explore their actual personalities um, instead of kind of making these boring heels. But you know, maybe they'll progress. Obviously, but Chris, how'd you like this match? Oh, I I, I love that match, and uh, I love the fact that the revival. I can't remember if it was Dash or Dawson, but one of them had a I broke Kofi's ankle shirt on which is a reference to actually Greg Valentine, I broke Wahoo's leg. So I got really hyped about that. I think I even sent you a message as soon as I saw it. Uh, so I popped for yeah. that. And the match itself was, was pretty damn good overall. The, they had one little spot on the uh, Shattered Dream sequence where Xavier took this nasty-looking bump on his neck. But it was, other than that, it was a, it was a damn good match. And it, it, he still sold it so well that it looks great. I think the ref even thought he was dead for a second or something. So. That worked out. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I enjoy it. And uh, I, I look forward to, like, the revival going against Sheamus and Cesaro or even the Hardys in the future. So I'm not too sore about them getting two wins over the New Day. 
And also they got two wins over Xavier, Xavier Woods and Biggie and not Kofi and Biggie. So you can still twist that however you want once they go to SmackDown and take it from there. But uh, I really want to see yeah. Xavier Woods do some single work um, at some point in his career because I really enjoyed him in TNA. So hopefully that will happen at some point. He's great on the mic. I'd definitely like to see him in the single division, but I'm sure all of them are going to eventually, you know, break away. I can't see him doing this forever, uh, but we'll see what they're on SmackDown. I definitely want to see them with those belts, uh, you know, eventually. But uh, all right, another another good thing that happened. Um, Seth Rollins came out. I think honestly, guys, and you guys might disagree with me. I think Seth Rollins, and I've, I've given him a lot of shit in the past. I think that he cut a pretty damn good promo tonight because he kind of made it like you know. It would be the easy thing for me to, like, go to SmackDown. It would be the easy thing for me to just leave because I know Stephanie's going to be on me as soon as she gets back, but he won't. And then followed up with Kurt Angle coming out. God, the you suck stuff. Uh, I mean, we'll get into it after this whole thing of, like, stuff I could potentially see happening, but I'm just going to hint at the fact that I think that Kurt Angle needs to embrace his old heel gimmick if they keep on going with this shit because I think it would be funnier if he was actually that because I don't really find it as a term of endearment, and, like, it's done to the point where it's like, he doesn't suck! Shut the fuck up! But, I don't know, maybe <laughs> I'm just being sensitive about it. Uh, and then Samoa Joe jumped in, hit Rollins from behind. Kurt Angle tried to... Bi- Another reason why I would have loved it, if this keeps on, like, you know, elevating, that Kurt Angle has to get in between people. Uh, instead of, like, Mick, though, at one point he gets so aggravated, he suplexes both of them. I do like the fact that, Chris, you were right with your prediction that if he became manager... So I remember you saying this, that he was probably going to be like, all right, you have a problem, you have a problem, then you guys go fight, go do it. But, like, I, I hope that you're also right with him saying, you're going to fight me tonight. Like, I would like to see that type of, uh, you know, something from Kurt when it comes to a storyline playing out with his own manager role. Um, Thomas, how, how did you feel about that whole spot? I love that segment. I, I definitely agree, though. I thought Kurt was going to get involved at some point, especially with uh, his TNA history with Samoa Joe. It would have been great. Um, but I think it's a nice change from uh, what they've been doing since Foley was fired. And uh, as far as Angle getting involved even more with the, with the actual match-based stuff, I'd love to see him and Daniel Bryan go at it at some point. Like, say they bring back, like, a bragging rights tournament, not the pay-per-view, but, like, a tournament at Survivor Series. And it's Angle versus, you know, Daniel Bryan. I think that'd be great if they ever clear Daniel Bryan. Which, concussion-wise, it looks like they're probably not going to do that, but I would love it to happen, especially that match in general. They could make it a – I mean, I don't really want to see a squash match. Never mind. I take that back. Uh, Chris, <laughs> how'd you feel about the whole segment? I actually enjoyed it, and for once I'm not going to shit on Rollins this week. <laughs> uh, I thought him and Kurt worked well together in the ring. Samoa Joe coming out and uh, getting some offense on Seth was, was fine. They're going to have to build some matches with him and have him tear through a couple people before he goes against Seth Rollins. To, he can't just be Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. But, but uh, as far as, like, from the standpoint of a promo and, and Kurt getting in there and breaking him up, I half expected someone to get an angle slam or both of them to get an angle slam, like something easy. But they're building towards that, and when it happens, it's going to be like a huge fucking pop. So I'm looking forward to it, and I enjoy Kurt's little backstage segments thus far have been pretty good. So overall, I would say that's definitely in my good column. 
Okay. Um, here's another good that happened. Uh, we're not going to talk about the match because that goes in the ugly. But after the Jinder Mahal-Finn uh, Balor match, we had Mr. Bray Wyatt come on the screen. And he said that Rise is new hope, but he doesn't intend to come alone as he still has a WWE Championship rematch against Randy Orton. Now, I will admit that there is one ugly thing about that whole entire, and I, I, I feel like, Chris, you're the one who said it immediately. Like, him admitting that he's on Raw and he's got a, a championship match with Randy Orton, I don't see Bray Wyatt winning. Um, I don't know how the hell that would work. Uh, maybe they'll try something crazy. But the thing I like about this and the thing I mainly want to talk about is the potential of having Finn Balor and Bray Wyatt just completely go at it, bring their crazy character dynamics out in full rage, get Bray away from Randy fucking Orton for a while, and really kind of like, you know, kind of zone in on a modern concept of like a Sting Undertaker that we never got to see, if you will. So, um, Chris, what, what, what do you feel is your uh, potential with this whole entire thing? After, obviously, Finn gets over his multiple concussions or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know what they're building towards now with Finn. He's going to be, I mean, he's definitely going to be out past the next pay-per-view, I would think, just because of the lawsuit they have pending right now with the concussions. And I think Raven's involved with that and a few other people, or at least Raven was involved with that. He may have settled by now. But, um, yeah, I don't know what they're doing. I, I don't really like Bray Wyatt's, like, the way they've turned his gimmick a little bit. Um, but the, the the potential for him and Finn Balor is, like, so high if they have actual matches and they don't try to gimmick it like they did the uh, Randy Orton match at WrestleMania. But the potential of the demon versus this crazy Charlie Manson cult leader guy. It's a world. It's great. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know what they're going to have for Bray to do. At least he, that, that pay-per-view is three weeks out, four weeks out, right? The SmackDown pay-per-view. So uh, at least they have time for him for So, um, yeah, I can go either way on it. I'm just not huge on Bray right now, and I wish he would slow his matches down a little bit instead of just crashing into people. Maybe work some body parts, like torture people in the ring, bring back bring back like an old school back scrape, like gouge some eyes or something. Like make it look vicious. Like his character is supposed to be vicious. If they're trying to go for like this kind of monster heel, um, he should be doing some more heelish, mean shit in the ring, in my opinion, personally. So. I can agree with you on that. And you know who said something about that? It was uh, Jake Roberts on Facebook said that he would love to have a one-on-one with Bray and kind of like go over his character. And, I mean, since Bray's really inspired by Jake the Snake Roberts, kind of seems like someone to definitely go to. Before I go to Thomas, though, what about the concept of, of, of Bray Wyatt Basically, with this whole thing, in a Booker standpoint, this was stupid because this obviously admits that Bray Wyatt does not win the title. Don't you think, Chris? Uh, yeah. I just I just skated over that because, I mean, he wins the title unless they do unless they change it to a three way match beforehand. It's he's probably going to get the title. And or he's like probably going to Yeah, I mean, Orton's probably going to keep the title, so. Uh, and, and then they don't really have anything for work to do right now. They just put AJ against either Kevin Owens or Jericho. So that whole, from a SmackDown standpoint, it kind of sucks because you know what their pay-per-view finish is going to be. 
And then you also know that Randy doesn't really have anything after that. That's a very good point. Um, and Thomas, both both questions. The uh, the good side of having a feud with Bray Wyatt and Finn Balor, and also the fact that technically they just revealed the winner of the championship match between Randy Orton and Mr. Bray Wyatt. Uh, I personally love the idea of Bray versus Finn, especially if they go the demon route with Balor. I think it has amazing potential. I think it could honestly be, you know, the next Undertaker Kane feud, you know, when it was good. Not, you know, WrestleMania 20 Taker and Kane. Um, it, it has an interesting dynamic to it. Like, the way the way Bray talks, the way Bray, you know, images himself is phenomenal. He has such an amazing stature. And so does Finn. So I feel like those two in a program together would just it, – it, it's too hard to make that fail. They're so much good that it would take something incredibly stupid to happen for it to fail. And as far as the, uh, the WWE Championship match, I would be surprised if Bray won, but I definitely agree that they gave away the, the championship match result already. And it, it sucks because things like that make it so predictable. The the timing of the superstar shakeup is what bothers me so much. Especially when you've already built up these storylines on their respective shows and now you have the SmackDown belt being defended on Raw, the United States Championship being defended on Raw with these pre existing storylines. It it's terrible to me. I don't understand why they do that and I probably never will but you know they they can do what they want they they are the big company so I'm just a cog in a wheel at that point <laughs> yeah no I mean I don't know how many times I've said that and I'm just like wait a minute I'm not even I don't get paid to do this they do actually so maybe I should shut up but uh I think I think we're right Thomas and Chris when we uh, have most of our observations. But uh, let's let's continue uh, down this thing. We had a nice match between Sami Zayn and The Miz, which, you know, after the previous week, I thought we had The Miz Shinsuke Nakamura going on, and then this one I'm like, all right, we're going to see Sami Zayn go against The Miz. No, that's not the direction they went at all, but we'll, 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 we'll keep on going. But, uh, you know, pretty good match, I would say. Uh, nothing too crazy. I just know Maurice tried to keep behind the referee's back. But Zayn managed to reverse a skull-crushing finale into a roll-up for the win. That was cool that Zayn went over. Kind of sucked, I guess, you know, that The Miz didn't, but he's leaving. Um, how did you like this one, uh, Chris? Uh, it, was a, it was a fine match. I like Maurice getting involved more, um, more in the match, more like a heel manager. I thought that was fine. And I liked that they didn't, you know, make the finish obvious it, you know Sammy ended up getting the win and it was a good moment for him but you know he ends up on Smackdown later on and it's just like now you just the, the Miz came in and immediately got hit with dirty deeds and then lost his first match after the superstar shakeup while doing a feud with John Cena which is kind of weird because Raw is going to need him to be a heel because they don't really have anyone right now other than uh, well, Bray, whenever Bray gets finished with this program with Randy and then Samoa Joe. 
So you get to, when Roman comes back, other than Braun, you're going to have to have someone for them to go against. And I'm not sure that Braun is not, at this point, such a beloved <laughs> by the crowd that they're going to ever be able to get heat on him unless he's, he's like, over his fuck, or something. So it's a, it's a weird situation. I don't know why they, they chose for Miz to lose that match. I mean, there was ways to scumbag their way out of that match with the DQ. Even if Maurice was the one to cause the DQ, like the refs saw her interfering and just called for the bell, that still makes Sammy look strong while not really hurting the Miz at all because that's kind of the Miz's gimmick. You know, he cheats to win. He's the old, old school chicken shit eel. So uh, from that standpoint, I didn't like it. From the standpoint of the match itself, I thought it was pretty decent. It was a good TV match. I got you. I agree. Thomas? Uh, I absolutely agree. I I truthfully believe that you know, that was a win the Miz needed. And uh, you're, you're right. There aren't enough main event players on Raw. A main event Raw. A main event heel Raw players. And it's it's one of those things where you can easily build the Miz up into that main event slot. I mean, obviously not while Lesnar's champion, but that's not the point. Um, I feel like Sammy winning was a nice little, hey, thanks for your service. <laughs> Off you go to the other brand. He didn't really need it, but it was, it was a feel-good moment to see because you always like seeing the underdog babyface go over against a slimy heel. But as far as you know, the earlier segment with Miz catching a dirty deeds from Ambrose, I feel like that, if Miz wins that match, it gives him back all his heat, gives him back the momentum. Him losing that match, I feel like, hurts him into next week and possibly, you know, even a little further along in the future because why should we care about Miz at that point? You know, like, it's it's one of those hit and miss things. No, I can definitely see that. Um you know, we'll see. I think that Miz deserves a lot from just the feud with him and John Cena that I didn't give a shit about at first. When I heard about the uh, card for WrestleMania, the the rumored card that ended up being uh, correct, uh, just him building that up and, and him beforehand, the, him in the Elimination Chamber when he reacted to, like, looking around the corners like a cartoon character to make sure everyone's knocked out before running in and grabbing the pin. Just hilarious. He's been doing a great job, so I'd like to see them do something more than just, like, smack him around like a rag doll. But uh, yeah. what are you going to do? You guys ready to go to the, the, the next match? Of course you are. All right. <laughs> so the next thing I wanted to talk about is the Hardy Boys. Cesaro and Sheamus def- defeated the club and uh, who gives a shit? I mean, the Shining Stars, um, El Matadors. Uh, by the way, there was... The, whatchamacallit, the drifter came out during this time period, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, all right, but anyways, it ended with um, they hit the Twisted Fate and the Swan Time Bomb on Epico to pick up the pinfall victory for their team. It's a good match overall. I think the Hardy Boys and Cesaro and Sheamus are going to have some good chemistry. All are pretty good athletes, obviously, so that's going to be fun. I'm just happy to have the Hardy Boys back. I do want to see Matt go broken, but whatever they can do, just do. I just think it's funny at this point since there were so many Jeff Hardy marks back in the day, is that Matt seems like he's more over than Jeff is. But, you know, that's that's the change-up uh, when it comes to gimmicks. So, uh, Chris, h- how did you like this match? Sorry, I had to get a mute there. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a pretty good match. Um, 
I like that Matt Hardy is incorporating some parts of his broken gimmick, even if it's just for the fans, for the pop. But it looked like at one point when he first came to the ring that he was, like had downed an opponent and was just hitting like his taunt button in WWE 2K17 or whatever. He was just repeatedly hitting the taunt button because he was going through like version <laughs> one Matt to like Hardy Boy Matt <laughs> to like broken Matt Hardy which is great because, like, on Twitter, he's still selling it. Like, he's like, my condition's not completely healed. So I would love to see them draw that out and uh, do something with it. I mean, maybe not the full character to the extent of TNA, but it's still fun, and I think the fans are still behind it. If it doesn't work out that way, Jeff is still going to be super over if you put him in a good program. So I think it'll be, it'll be fine. Um, the match itself was pretty good. I like the uh, the... Swanton flip off the whisper in the wind uh, into the the other team. That was pretty neat. And then the uh, finish was your typical Matt Jeff Hardy finish that they've hit the past uh, last Raw as well, which is the twist of fate and the Swanton bomb. And they're getting wins, and it's respectable. And I also like that uh, they're going the, the route of having two babyface teams go against each other. So them showing respect to each other at the end of the match was was okay. Agreed. Thomas, how do you feel? Uh, honestly, I mean, Chris nailed it on the head. I mean, there's there's honestly nothing to complain about in that match. Every everything was Christmas flawless as far as what I saw. I I also enjoyed the uh the Senton uh poetry emotion spot. That was fantastic. Especially because Jeff sprung up like immediately. It's like, oh, he's still a little bit of a spring chicken. That's fantastic. Um yeah, the twist of face swanton combo was fantastic, and I, I do look forward to seeing you know Cesaro and Sheamus take on the Hardys. I think that'll be a great match or series of matches. Yeah, I think they'll have really really good chemistry. Uh, all right, Raw's still going on. We got a uh, woman shakeup. So we have. Sorry, Sasha Banks comes to the ring and she introduces Bailey. It really looked like Sasha was about to turn heel, and all of us have been thinking about that for a while. And then, of course, Raw's new heel, Alexa Bliss, comes out and she gets a huge pop, gets a huge reaction from everyone. She basically tells like the whole crowd, like I don't, I don't need you. Like, you know, does works out as a heel better than she does, I think, as a performer. But she still gets around, so you know, it works out. Then we find out that she's got out of SmackDown. She's trying to, like, get away from, you know, past problems. Cue Mickey James. Her music comes on. Mickey comes out. She's now on Raw. So everyone's there. And then, you know, of course, they have a, uh, a female version of Braun Strowman called Nia Jax, who we'll talk later on more about with their match with Charlotte Flair, um, who likes to destroy people. And she completely knocks the shit out of Mickey James, goes in there, takes out both Bailey and Sasha, which I, I like the part where Alexa basically screwed over um, Sasha and just pushed her into her and then ran off. And weird, awkward part where she just walks past Alexa Bliss and instead of hurting her, she just walks past her. But, um, you know, just showing at one point her with the belt that Nia Jax is the force to be reckoned with. Are, are, are you scared of that force, Thomas, by any chance? I'm not so much scared of it as much as I am intrigued. I think Nia Jax has amazing potential. I, I feel like they're uh, 
they're doing too much too fast with her. Because truthfully, I didn't see a point in her being in the WrestleMania Fatal 4-Way match, or elimination match, sorry, especially for her to be eliminated first. Like, I fully expected her to eliminate Bailey first and, like, make it mean something. Um, but as far as the segment on Raw, it was a nice change to see her be the dominating female superstar that she can be. I, I, I'm still torn on this because I love her as a performer. I think she's fantastic in the role that she's playing. I just don't want to see her shove down everybody's throats and that being used against her. Yeah, I could agree with that. Uh, Chris, how'd you feel about this? Uh, it was fine. It was a blah moment for me. I mean, Alexa Bliss's promo was okay. Um, and then you immediately put, like, the biggest female wrestler in your roster in there next to Alexa Bliss, and she looks like she's, like, <laughs> going to just, like, demolish her. And then she doesn't touch her, which makes no sense from a Monster Hill standpoint because she doesn't give a fuck. She shouldn't give a fuck if you're you know, a good guy or a bad guy. She should have just beat the shit out of everybody if you're going to have that spot because like, it would have just made her look like fun. But, uh, I don't know. Uh, this one's a hard one for me because I I just, I'm not really feeling the Nia push and mostly just because of some of the spots that she had in the match later on, which we're going to talk about. But um, I kind of wish that she would have stuck around in NXT and worked with Asuka a little more. I can agree with you on that. Uh, but, yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about Nia Jax. I think she has a lot of potential if she's put in the right direction. She just has a lot of power and force that's very, very freaking scary. Uh, you know. But, anyways, I digress. Let's go to the last match. Yeah, champion versus champion match. Dean Ambrose defeated Kevin Owens. Good back-and-forth match. They both kicked the crap out of each other. Owens tried to hit the dirty deeds. Ambrose ver- reversed it, hit his own version of it. He gets the win after the match. Chris Jericho comes out. Uh, Ambrose got the hell out of there, which I thought was pretty funny. He's like, well, this is not my shit. And then, obviously, Owens gets up, gets hit by the co-breaker, and Jericho's posing at the end of the show. So, pretty good ending, pretty good match. Um, I really liked the back and forth between the two of them. I was like, cool, we get to see this. And, no, we, we, we're not. But, you know, maybe eventually we can see them fight again. Uh, Thomas, how would you like this match? definitely agree. I definitely agree with uh, the oh, we're going to see this. No, no we're not. Sorry about that. It was a fantastic ending to Raw. It's something that you don't see very often anymore, like an ending like that. But it was it was a nice breath of fresh air. The match itself was solid as, expect, eh, as expected from two performers like, you know, from, uh, eh, wow, I can't English at all today. As Ambrose and uh, Owens are so it was, um, it, it was great, in my opinion, because I, I love them both. Very deserving spot. Yeah, trust me, my English is always fucked up. Um, but that's just, that's life, if you will. Uh, Chris, how did you like this match in uh, Y2J at the end? I thought the match was fine. I was kind of hoping for a, um, a run-in 
just because when I saw the title had shifted with Dean Ambrose, you kind of knew the U.S. title was going to shift. And once again, it's good to have Dean get get that win, but then it just like hurt Kevin the next night on SmackDown. So it's it was kind of a it's kind of a bad situation. That just goes back to the timing of the draft. Um, but the match itself was pretty good. I liked the ending. Um, Chris Jericho hitting the code breaker was fine. I wish he would have put a little bit more punishment on Kevin Owens because Kevin Owens has been throwing him through tables and stuff. So maybe if he would have locked on the ball to Jericho, that would have been a cool little spot. But other than that, yeah, it was a good match. And, and Kevin Owens just consistently has good matches. And same with Dean, other than the WrestleMania match he had, which, like, we talked about last week. But other than that, uh, I can't really think of a bad match those two have had recently. Yeah, it's hard to. Uh, they always work pretty well together. Well, speaking about Kevin Owens, let's skip over to uh, SmackDown. Talk about the goods with SmackDown. Um, show up with Kevin Owens' music. <laughs> Kevin had on a, a suit that you would probably see like a funeral owner like wearing. Um, the gray looked great. Um, and he shaved him, cleaned himself up nice. He comes out with the United States champion, welcoming viewers to the new Kevin Owens show. Uh, he starts basically like going, what, 96 Bret Hart, uh, telling everyone how, how Canada is so much better and blah, 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 blah. You get the USA chant right away. Um, and he calls ever anyone in the back. And, of course, Baron Corbin, well, not of course, but Baron Corbin comes and answers the challenge. And he said he still owed a title shot, and Dean Ambrose jumped to the other one. And he obviously lost from Dean Ambrose and came over here, so he owes him a title shot. Um, then all of a sudden we find out that Kevin Owens' worst nightmare is there. Sami Zayn also came to SmackDown. Uh, two great additions. I love that Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn's on SmackDown. Um, and that he revealed that he also moved to SmackDown and he wants a title shot. And then AJ Styles says, hey, since he's you know, basically smacked out himself. Kind of found it funny how they, they, they're like, it seems like from what they said that AJ Styles is smacked down, Seth Rollins is raw. Like that's their concept of mascot or some shit. I have no idea. They're the glue, the foundation. Um, and then Daniel Bryan came out. He issued a three-fight or three-way fight uh, between Sami Zayn, Baron Corbin, and AJ Styles. Number one will win and then uh, go against Kevin Owens. See what the whole entire English concept. I just completely proved that. Um, but anyways, Chris, how did you feel about this opening? I actually liked it. Um, I found it pretty entertaining. AJ Styles was good on the mic. Uh, Sammy did fine for the spot he was in, and uh, it's kind of weird that that they 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 went to a three way match, which was fine. Uh, it's more surprising uh, the outcome of that match and where they went with it than the actual segment itself. But uh, overall, yeah, I mean, I liked it. I thought it was enjoyable. And uh, it cements AJ as, as basically his, his face turn is in full swing at this point. So um, I enjoyed it. And AJ got a huge pop. So did Sami Zayn. But AJ, they wouldn't shut up. Like, he kept on being like, yeah. And I think that, like, Kevin Owens playing the heel was like, we get it. We get it. They like you. But anyways, uh, Thomas, how did you feel? I love the segment. Overall, um, Owen's reaction when Zane came out was absolutely fantastic. <laughs> Just the look of shock and disbelief. It's uh, 
it's like one of those memes that you've seen on Facebook, or I've seen at least. I don't know if you have. Um, where they show all their wars through Ring of Honor. It's like, we're destined to do this forever. Like, it really is the story of them being destined to do it forever. It's fantastic. Um, Corbin was fantastic on the mic for once. Because, honestly, he's, he's bored me a lot. He's, he's grown on me. But, like, mic-wise, I absolutely loathe him. But uh, this, was, this was a good spot for him, and I think he made himself a prominent player then. And then uh, AJ, of course, phenomenal, no pun intended, reaction from the crowd. And he has them eating in the palm of their hands, eating out of the palm of his hands. Wow, English sucks. Um, and, yeah, it's, it was truly one of those great opening show moments, you know? Like, it, it really got you hyped to see the rest of the show. No, and I, I agree. And going into it, um, the next, the, the first match that opened up really wasn't one of my favorites. But the second match, the thing that we're going to talk about right now, SmackDown Tag Team Championship match. The Usos defeated American Alpha. The Usos won with a super kick and a splash onto Chad, Chad Gable. Just a great match all in general. These guys have great chemistry together. I really like American Alpha. I thought it was probably one of the best matches, if not the ma- best match of the night. Um, and uh, I really feel like, and I was saying this to Chris beforehand, I feel like they should repackage American Alpha, like just change some aspects, because they kind of made them generic with this like whole like tribute concept. It's not exactly like Bailey, but it's similar in aspects, like like they're fans, like you know, give them something. I, I don't know what, but you know, then again, I'm not on creative in WWE, making a lot of money, so that probably has something to do with it. But either way, Chris, I know you really like this match. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. The, uh, the match before WrestleMania that they had for the title um, was just as good as this match. I thought both of those, the, both the matches that they've had, just one on one, have been pretty pretty damn good. The the Usos, uh, they've really stepped up their game since they kind of turned heel, and and uh, they've been having some consistently good matches. And it's good to see them getting another title run. Um, Especially with the new day coming back, I mean, I, I, they have history with that, so hopefully they build the story around that. And uh, if they have to go through American Alpha, you'll, there'll be some good matches there between those two. Um, American Alpha hasn't really had any time to get over their personalities. Like I can't really recall them having very much mic time, and I don't know if they're just kind of protecting them a little bit, or. But yeah. Um, other than that, the match itself was was pretty pretty damn good for a tag match, uh, TV tag match. I, I enjoyed it a lot. As did I, as did I, and I'm really like the now that they're building up with the new day coming in there, and I I, I think the tag division is going to get way stronger on SmackDown. Um, let's see, where are we at now? This is really professional. All right. Another thing I'm really happy about, uh, well, I'll say this. I think it's good in the long run. Um, so we have Dolph Ziggler come out, talking like Dolph Ziggler, and he's interrupted by Mr. Shinsuke Nakamura. And I love that part in the ring where he's like, who are you? And then everyone's, Nakamura. I was like, yeah, you don't know who he is. Now, I'm going to say the reason why I put this in the good category, and I don't know how you feel, Thomas, and me and Chris are going back and forth a little bit about it, uh, beforehand, is I like to, I, I, I'm looking forward to Nakamura going against someone bigger, like maybe a Randy Orton for the title and stuff like that. But I think Dolph Ziggler's a good transition 
wrestler. Now, I always make fun of Ziggler and call him the fake, or what, no, what, what, was I, what did I say? Fake HBK? I don't remember exactly. Um, but I will give him that he's a good English performer. One thing that Chris said that makes a lot of sense, though, is Shinsuke Nakamura is the king of strong style. He's going to beat the shit out of Dolph Ziggler. Uh, so how, how do you feel about the potential of this rivalry, Thomas? Um, honestly, like you said, I, I believe it's a good transition because Ziggler works more like the NXT style that Nakamura has been used to for the last year. So I think it will ease him into working with other talents that work more of the sports entertainment style. Uh, Ziggler is honestly, in my opinion, at least hands down the best sports entertainer that the WWE has. He can work anybody and get a damn near perfect match out of them. Even if, even if it's not seen as a perfect match, like there are very far and few between bad Dolph Ziggler matches that I've watched. So I feel like Nakamura versus Ziggler could be Nakamura's first big test on the main roster, as well as Ziggler's biggest challenge to date, as far as style difference. Uh, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm interested. I, I will gladly give them my money. All right, he's giving the money. Are you giving the money, Chris? Show me the money. I mean, I'm already giving $9.99 a month. I'm not giving them any more money than that. <laughs> <laughs> to be fucking 100% fair. Um, I, I like the promo segment. It was, it, was, it was really cool to hear Nakamura actually get on the mic, even if it was just for a little bit, and it got a huge pop. And uh, it makes sense for him to work with Ziggler. I, I can't really disagree with that. I think that the hopes were that you would get Nakamura and Styles, or at least for me, or um, Nakamura oh, yeah. and wins after, after they transferred him. But it makes sense. My only worry is um, I, we'll see. I hope that the match doesn't turn into Dolph Ziggler just overselling Nakamura's strikes, which that's, that's the one aspect of him that has always kind of annoyed me. It, it reminds me, sometimes he reminds me of like Shawn Michaels when he wrestled Hogan. And he oversold on purpose the entire match. So uh, other than that, yeah, five. Yeah, Dolph Ziggler does have good matches. Uh, the two matches that come to mind, well, the matches that come to mind right offhand is his matches for the Miz. And you know, Miz is not considered one of the the greatest as far as in ring workers that WWE has, but he's always had really good matches with him. So it'll be a fun challenge, and it'll be interesting to watch to see how it plays out. My only problem with it is like. Dolph Ziggler hasn't really beaten anyone on SmackDown recently of any note or had, you know, like a title run in the past few months um, outside of his matches with Miz. Because I think he was going against, like, Apollo Crews and Kalisto at the same time recently. So. <laughs> God. I remember how mad you got, at, and I completely agree with you, after the Battle Royal on WrestleMania. You're like, how many times is he going to pull Shawn Michaels Getting off the fucking ropes, and I'm like, I don't know, man. Super took everyone. Even his shoes look just like Sean's. Ugh. He hit it. And AJ Styles like he, you can do like, it naturally. It's a cool spot if you hit well, it once. If you do it seven times, it's it's not it's not entertaining. It destroyed anymore. this novelty. It was really cool when Sean did it. He was the first man in and the last man out. And it was the first time anyone had really done anything like that. But, like, when you see Dolph do it every time there's a Battle Royal or a Royal Rumble at least six times, it's just not fucking entertaining. To me, at least. 
I, I can agree with yeah. that. I, I can definitely agree with that. Oh, and to touch on a, an earlier point about Nakamura and Styles, do you really want to blow that right away? Yeah, well, like that's a throwaway. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I want it now. And I'm like, a throwaway pay-per-view, or wouldn't you want it for, like, one of the big four, like the Rumble SummerSlam, something like that? I guess you're right. SummerSlam but they Survivor start. Series. <laughs> you're, you're right, but I want it now. <laughs> I want it now. Hey, so you guys that's want to Japan fan me just like immediate. Yeah, that's just my New Japan fandom marking out and wanting that shit to happen right now. Oh, I don't blame you, man. I want it. I want it too. I really do. Uh, but um, let's get through this wonderful match with. Um, we also have a new member of, of SmackDown, and I'm really happy to have him on here. His name is Jinder Mahal. Uh, he likes to knock the shit out of people, and he's going against Mojo Raleigh. This is only in the good, honestly, because, I mean, it wasn't terrible. I like Mojo Raleigh when it comes to his standpoint. Is he has a lot of charisma. He's happy-go-lucky. He has, like, this jock meets ultimate warrior type of concept going on, probably because he's an ex-football player and he runs a lot in the ring and just throws people around. But, you know, he's, he's a fun gimmick. Uh, his buddy is Gronk. If you don't know that, it's Rob Gronkowski from the Patriots. He was in the audience. They basically redid the same thing almost, that happened at WrestleMania uh, with throwing the liquids, but reversed. Uh, that sounded kind of strange. But anyways, uh, Gronk up the win, Gross. and I, there was at one point where I was pretty impressed that he was able to jump over the black barrier to hug Kronkowski. Uh, so, yeah. Anyways, uh, h- how did you feel about this, Thomas? Hated it. Hated it. Hated it. Hated it. Hated it. <laughs> Hate it. <laughs> like, oh, I I don't I don't know why we're making Mojo Raleigh a thing. It's, nothing against the guy, but he doesn't he doesn't entertain me. He doesn't strike me as you know a superstar. He strikes me as oh well, there's this kid here. Let's give him a push. We'll see what happens. Like it, like just random. It's taking everything in me to, like, try to be positive about like, find some kind of positivity in that whole thing, but I can't. I I really can't. I don't like Mojo Rawley. He's like the modern Steve Mongol McMichael, you know? He's just, he's just a good old boy, southerner, ex-football player. Actually, no, he's not southern. I think he's actually from up north. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Chris, <laughs> how did you like this? Uh, I mean, he's a better in-ring worker than Mongo McMichael, but <laughs> uh, it was not fine. Wrong. I don't like celebrity. I'm wrong? Not wrong. Old... Not wrong at all. Oh, uh, oh, I thought you said I was wrong. I was like, man, oh, no. see some of those oh, old no, school no, no, 95 no. WCW matches. <laughs> it's like they're fucking terrible. <laughs> I mean, Eddie Guerrero couldn't drag that motherfucker through a match, and if he can't do it, no one can. Like, shit. Um, getting off Mongo McMichael, and uh, I just don't care for celebrity Also about Vince spots. Russo, Chris. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't like celebrity spots that much, except outside of WrestleMania. And then also, it's like, is Mojo over at all, or is just Rob Gronkowski over? He's I mean, over it, to creative. Well, that's, <laughs> that's, that's the thing. Like, is, I, I mean, just, he's... What was that? Is, is Rob going to be his tag partner? I mean, I, I honestly liked him better. With I don't want to see that. 
Ryder. Zack Ryder carries the majority of the match, and then he just gets the hot tag, and that's a fine spot for him. But, I'm, you know, his promo last week was fine. I'm also not a huge Mojo fan, but I had to spin it a little bit positively after <laughs> you guys compared him to Mongo. Dane compared him to Mongo. Jesus. <laughs> I'm just saying, I mean, he's a nice guy. I, I, I don't. I don't hate Mojo. Um, I'm just like, you know, I, I don't like celebrities involved at all. The only one that's, like, worked out for me, and maybe it's because I watch Arrow, is I was impressed that Stephen Amell was able to pull off some of the stuff that he did in the ring. But most, like, most of the time it just does not work out well, unless it's, like, a showpiece like Mike Tyson on outside the ring. But uh, whatever. Let's get to the last good thing that we have in the night so we can go on the bads. Uh, there's not as many. You know, we have almost an hour of good. So that's, a, that, 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 that's good in itself, right? But uh, this United States Championship number one contender match. Um, all right, so AJ Styles defeated Sami Zayn and Baron Corbin. Zayn caught Corbin with a hell of a kick, but then got hit by the phenomenal forearm and was pinned. And I have to say, this match was pretty fucking good. Back and forth. Everyone got their spot in. Everyone looked great. Uh, actually, I don't think that um, Baron Corbin got our favorite finisher, Chris. But uh, how, how did you feel about this match? Uh, he gets a deep six. He didn't get his actual finisher off, but, but the deep six still looks fucking awesome. Uh, I thought it was a pretty good match. I enjoyed it. Uh, there was one little slip up at the end towards the finish uh, when AJ was going for the phenomenal forearm originally. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it, other than that, man, it was a pretty spotless match. Exactly what I would expect from those dudes. They're all great workers. Um, and... I, the only thing I don't like about it is, like AJ is going to go for the U.S. title, which means we're we're gonna get we're gonna get treated to AJ and Kevin Owens, which I love, but like what's Randy Orton doing after Bray Wyatt? So, I mean, is Kevin Owens gonna go after Randy Orton? That just seems kind of weird that you lose the U.S. title and then promote up. I mean. To be fair, he I went agree down with that. after after losing the Universal title, he went down. So, I mean, it's not that too far-fetched. But, um, How did yeah, you feel about you, the whole thing, Thomas? The whole thing, the match was great. The match was honestly... Ooh, lost you. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Uh, the match itself was, was fantastic. Uh, it was honestly a better match being a three-way, then I think it would have been just, like, a singles match. Like, I think if it was just, like, Zayn and Corbin, it wouldn't have been as good. Adding AJ to the mix was fantastic. Um, I I do agree, though, uh, what you were saying about what's next for Bray. Because with AJ going after the U.S. title at this point, um, if by some chance, because I don't see it happening anytime soon, but by some chance that Owens loses the United States belt to, uh, belt to Styles. you got to think Owens is in contention, but since we haven't talked about it yet, I kind of don't want to say it, but there's a, there's a big hairy Russian coming on SmackDown, and I feel like uh, he, he can definitely be a, a huge contender for the SmackDown brand. I couldn't see it on Raw with the amount of talent they had when they had the WWE title, but with... The, the new opportunities for Superstar Shake-Up, I definitely can see Rusev as, you know, WWE champion on SmackDown. 
they finally want to like let Rusev be that dude. It's kind of like fairly with Braun Strowman at this point. But uh, just just a good match in general, and uh, that that ends it, guys, with all the good stuff. Uh, well, at least from what I think. Um, we're gonna go over the bad stuff, and I'm, I'm gonna give these out to you guys. Now we'll, we'll we'll just go down the page. Man, we're flying through this. I'm proud of us. Um, all right. So under the bad, uh, first thing opener. I like the first half with Miz and Maurice coming out as uh, John Cena and, and uh, you know Nikki Bella. It's the involvement with Dean Ambrose that just seems kind of confusing. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't too horrible, but it wasn't one of my favorite things of the night. Uh, also, the whole stuff with Dean, like you know pretending that they were them and kind of getting confused. And I love Dean Ambrose, but it's like, all right, whatever. My favorite part basically was their little promo at the beginning and then Dean Ambrose hitting him with the dirty deeds. Other than that, I thought it was kind of ridiculous. It didn't really go anywhere because Miz fought someone completely different. Um, So, I don't know. It didn't really work for me. Uh, How did you feel about it, Thomas? I definitely agree that – Miz deserves so much better in that spot. We, we talked about it earlier. Yeah. Like, they could have put Ambrose at any other part in that show to introduce him to the brand. That right there was Miz's time to shine as the brand new introduction. So I, I feel like, like, like I said earlier, they definitely killed Miz's momentum. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. Uh, Chris, do you feel the same way? Do you think they kind of like smacked his momentum around? That sounded kind of weird. Uh, yeah, not because he also took a loss later in the night. So it, yeah. if he yeah. had a match later in the night, maybe I would feel a little bit better about this segment because you're just because then you're building a feud. But it just felt kind of forced. And um, o- overall, I I guess you're going to get Dean Ambrose versus The Miz. Maybe that's that's what that's what I drew out of it. Is like, okay, well, that's great, but you know, what the hell? I, I, it, it wasn't the best way to introduce him. They could have just—if they wanted to do the Kevin Owens mask, they could have just had him interrupt Kevin Owens in a backstage segment or something. Because I think Kevin Owens had an interview later in the night, so there were other ways to do what they did to get that match off. Because that was their main event, so it made sense from that standpoint. But I agree, there's better ways to introduce Dean. It kills some of Miz's momentum, and um, they really need Miz to be over. A bit, yeah. You can get some heat because they don't have anyone that feels like the old school heel role right now. They have a lot of moving pieces. Like is Roman turning heel? Is Braun a face? Like there's a lot of moving pieces on Raw that don't line up, other than Samoa Joe. So I don't even think that that WWE. I don't. I don't think that WD booking knows if Roman's a fucking heel or face, or if fucking Braun Strowman's a face or heel. They're like a bunch of monkeys at this point when it comes to that shit. Oh. Well, the, the crowd hijacked that shit, so right now Braun is definitely, <laughs> definitely a Thank you, Strowman. In the eyes of the crowd. In the eyes of the crowd, anyways. It's going to take a lot to get heat back on Braun after that. But we'll see. He's going to have to, like, punt a small child or something like that. <laughs> what if they pretend that Maybe he punts Roman the... Reigns' kid? Oh, don't do that. It's it's if, it's if not. He, uh, I mean, the only thing you could do is feed Balor to Braun, because Balor's no. probably the most over face. 
so that's the only way you're going to get heat on Braun. So, like, I don't know what they're going to do. <laughs> they're not going to do that, it's either, obviously. It's either Balor, Balor or, like, Rollins down the line. Not not right now, but down the line. Yeah. Not super bro, Rollins. Like, I don't know, man. Like, seriously. Like, I, I don't know. I like Seth Rollins, though. Anyway, let's keep on going. My next thing, I have nothing to say to this, but, like, whatever. I guess there's nothing for the big show to do. Uh, so I just came out and punched Kurt Hawkins for a KO punch, and that was it. That was that was literally it. Uh, whatever. Wash. Uh, Chris, how, how did you like this? It's fine. I feel like they're building up a show. They're probably going to do a couple Raws or whatever with him doing that, and then him going against Joe or someone just get get a good win under Joe's belt, maybe, would be my guess. I don't, I don't know what they're really doing. They're building in for someone to beat up. So I would expect next week on Raw, Big Show's going to punch someone in the face. So just write that down now, and we'll see if it comes true. All right, I'm writing it right now. Right now. Uh, for next week. I'm not running it. Anyways, um, Thomas. Knockout Big Show is my favorite Big Show. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> that's that's all I'm going to say. Show. Knockout Big Show is my favorite. By the Should way, I watched the table for three. For, for using a closed fist, like, honestly. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like he should catch a DQ for this knockout punch. <laughs> He seems like such a nice guy, though. I want the big show to have some, like if this is his last year. Like get him to do something. That's I don't know. Like I love that match with him, Braun Strowman. I wish that they would, you know, maybe have another one for him to like, you know, for at SummerSlam. I'd like to see him and Braun Strowman go at it again. But uh, who knows? Let's go on to the next bad or what I consider bad or whatever. Uh, T.J. Perkins. Uh, all right, it's, it's not the fact that he defeated Austin Aries. I just don't see the potential in a heel turn for T.J. Perkins. I don't really know how that's going to work, and I feel like it's probably short-term, and then Neville's going to screw him over, and then TJ's going to go back into being completely, you know, nothing compared to what's going on. Uh, I could be wrong. I have no idea. I also thought it made Austin Aries look kind of weak, uh, even though it really, you know, wasn't about him. I don't know. I, I didn't enjoy it. Maybe I'm just being too harsh on it. Thomas, how do you feel? No, I I definitely agree. It's it's the setup for failure for TJ Perkins from, you know, Austin Aries. Um, as far as Neville's spot in there, I feel like that could have gone to anybody. Like it didn't have to be Neville to do it, but it makes more sense with him being the head of the division. I truthfully hope that TJ Perkins can get, you know, into gear and be the dynamic athlete that he was when the division first restarted but I don't see that happening. I don't see that happening at all. I, I think he needs to fade back into obscurity and get some like more lower-level wins under his belt to like make him important again. But for right now, the division is honestly Gallagher, Aries, and Neville. Like That's, that's just being honest. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. And like I said, you can put a mask on him since he's worn a bunch and maybe change up his gimmick if it doesn't work out. But... Who knows? Um, Chris, how did you feel about all this? Yeah, I think the heel turn's fine for him. I would have rather it came from Brian Kendrick, and then maybe he helps him go against Akira Tozawa for a while, and then they build oh, up. Oh, that like, would be good. That would Akira, be great, yeah. Kendrick versus Akira, and also they have the backstory of Brian Kendrick and TJ to play off of. 
Um, yeah. As TJ's mentor, I thought that would have been a better way to go than Neville. But you had to have Neville left. Ne- <clears throat> had to have Neville there so that TJ could get the win and turn completely. So it's a weird, kind of weird dynamic. Um, I didn't see 205 Live, so I don't know where they went with it completely. He did cut a promo at the end of SmackDown, basically justifying. He's like, you know, Neville's right. Like, uh, and as far as the heel goes, I just don't think people are really into like his character at all. And he does heal as shit. Like, he talks people in the ring. Like, uh, you know, he hits the dab in the middle of the ring while he's wrestling opponents and shit. And while, like, Austin Aries does the uh, does some of that, too, but it just, I don't know, it comes off less like I'm a cocky prick when Aries does it. I don't, I don't know how that works. But, um, yeah, I think it would have been better if he if this this program for him went with Brian Kendrick and then they could have worked for the Kira Tozawa. And maybe even Kalisto because he's coming over. And then they could have built up some wins like like uh, Thomas was talking about. And then he goes after, you know, Aries if Aries gets the belt or however he wants to handle it. But, yeah, um, I'm not against a heel turn for him. It's, it's you know, it's going to get put on the pre-card anyways. Um, so unless you're really invested in 205 Live, which I think they've done a poor job of getting out to people as far as the matches on Raw, uh, I don't think it really means much for the main main roster or raw. No, I can agree with you on all those levels. Uh, let's let's move on to the last amount. Actually, well, this is Raw's last amount of bad stuff. I don't really know what to say other than what I wrote, and that is the drifter needs to drift away. Um, Thomas, do you agree <laughs> with me on that? I don't want him on Raw. I, I can see him getting lost in the shuffle on Raw. If he went to SmackDown... That would have been a whole lot better. I, I don't think enough people, like main roster wise, like fan base, will truly care about him. But putting him on Raw might be their downfall. Because uh, truthfully, he might end up the likes of how Kurt Hawkins was on SmackDown, and just nobody cares about him. He, he's an amazing talent. He's a phenomenal talent. But that's not going to matter on a show that's as stacked as Raw is. Chris, how do you feel about it? Uh, I, 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 you know, it's fine. I kind of agree as far as the shuffle on Raw. Um, it's weird. They, they have, they have good talent, but it's, it's kind of all over the place. So I don't even know who he would go against right now off the top of my head, which is terrible because it's a three-hour fucking show. So you figure they would have something for him to do. But, um, yeah, it would have been awesome to me if he also showed up on SmackDown. And, like, he wasn't actually drafted by anyone. He just was showing up places. And maybe he did that for a couple of weeks until they could figure out something for him to do. And oh, yeah, then, that would be fantastic, too. Yeah. And then he, like, maybe if- he shows up on both or rotates, like he shows up on one at El Vagabondo, which he did in NXT, and then one (laughs) drifter, and just switched him for a while. I think that would get him over uh, better than him just doing his drifter character, because eventually he's going to come to the ring and play a song, and he's going to go against two. He's going to get booed. Which is, I mean, that's the reaction you're supposed to get, but for his character. Yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. I don't know who they're going to have in face. Like, I can't even think of people that are in the mid to lower card on Raw right offhand that 
have any legitimacy. Is uh is our truth well, still uh, available? Can we do that? Yeah, I mean he's he's still there. You can do that. You can do our truth and gold dust. I mean it's not bad to have those matches. Like those are good matches. And if they did those matches instead of some of their forty five minute segments, Raw overall would probably be a better show. But it's Monday Night Raw. Hallelujah. I agree with you on that. Let's go into some of the crappy stuff that happened on SmackDown, guys. All right, my first note was Randy Orton defeating Eric Rowan. It's not so much. It's not so much the match. It wasn't that bad of a match. I mean, Chris was going on bringing this up, and I agree with him. Is that Randy's been really stiff and really careful to the point where he's kind of boring uh, at some points compared to you know how how flashy he was. And uh, I just, for me personally, is that. The most prestigious title is the title he has, because that's the one that has the longest, you know, Kevin Owens has a universal title, he's just the longest reigning, but like, you know, the World Heavyweight, that has history to it, and they treat with the opening that the U.S. title is like, almost like the heavyweight title, and the first match of the night, you have the fucking heavyweight champion coming out, like, I just didn't, I, I didn't get it, I thought the ending with, with, with Bray Wyatt was... <clears throat> Uh, I'm getting sick of their angle. I really liked it for a while, and it just completely went south, and I think WrestleMania completely ruined it for me. And, uh, yeah, just I could could have done without this first giant dump. Uh, how, how did you feel about it, Christopher? Uh, I, I, I'm on the same page as you as far as – I mean, it was a fine match. It, it, it seemed like Randy dialed it back to about a five as far as, like, what he was going to do in the ring for that match. But the whole the whole point of the match was the Bray spot. So it, it was fine for what it was. But also, uh, it was definitely not one of the better things on SmackDown in comparison to, like, him also for that three-way match. Um, so overall, it just looked kind of – it was just kind of there. I agree with you. And, uh, Thomas, how did you feel about this spot? I absolutely agree with you both. Like, the main purpose of the match was for the Bray spot. So, for what it was, it was absolutely fine. But I definitely agree that um, Randy has dialed it back within, you know, within his time when he's not facing Bray. And that kind of bothers me. I feel like his best work of last year, or of the last year, rather, was his times against Harper, who was nowhere to be found on SmackDown, which was disappointing. But, you know, it is what it is. They got the job done. And I do like Luke Harper, and I want I see a lot of potential in him. He's a lot of fun. Um, I mean, the fact that he kind of looks like Brody is one thing. But he kind of reminds me of, like, I don't know, a little bit of Mick Foley-ish. Uh, he's, just, he's a good guy in the ring. I enjoy watching him. And he's, you're right, though. He had a hell of a lot more chemistry with Randy Orton than Bray did. Uh, anyways, let's go to another part. After American Alpha lost, lost. After they lost, they were attacked by new SmackDown guys. Yay, the Shining Stars! I, I have no care at all about this. Like Raw's not made me care about this team at all. Um, so I don't care about them on SmackDown. I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, it, the Matador costumes didn't help from you know a couple years back either. Uh, Chris, are you excited about the Shining Stars being on uh, SmackDown? If they're just Epico and Primo, yes. I think they can be a good tag team to have good matches with people. If they're the Shining Stars and they're still trying to tell people 
<laughs> like front property in Puerto Rico or whatever, or oceanfront property, I should say, then I, I'm not really interested. But Epico and Primo can have good matches. So it's not bad to have that kind of tag team because they basically traded those two tag teams. Because Rhino and Slater left to go to Raw, so that's going to be the tag team they kind of start everyone's build with. And then on the other brand, I'm assuming it's going to be Epico and, and Primo. So that that would be my guess of what, where they're going with that. Uh, what about you, Thomas? Nope. Next. Nah. All right. Thank you. Very good answer. <laughs> Awful. Uh, Awful. This is my last one. Um, I don't know how I feel about Ty Dillinger. I'm, I know Chris is not a big fan. I don't know how you feel about him, Thomas. But the whole Aiden English coming out at the beginning, doing the whole artist thing, I don't get it. Uh, God, like I don't know how you become like uh, you. You know, you're you're a really good jobber. Like I guess I would take the paycheck, but whatever. He just lost his partner, so I guess he has to do something. But Ty comes out there, beats him in like two seconds. Um, wasn't really impressed with the match. Uh, Chris, how, how did you like this match? Yeah, it was fine. I'm 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 not a big Ty Dillinger fan. I think the best matches he's had were specifically with, like, Eric Young. So I'm not even sure that he's over because people like Channing 10. But as far as, like, the match itself, it was fine. But they don't have anything for him to do outside of that, so I don't know where they're going with him. Since AJ is going for the U.S. title, that would have been, like, the spot you would think they would put him in if they're trying to build him up. So I, I don't know. Maybe he'll be going against Harper. We'll find out about that. That would actually be a good person for him to compete with. But I guess one of them would have to go heel at that point. Thomas, how do you feel about uh, this whole match? Um, well, the match was short, which it needed to be. Uh, I do like the return back to the artist gimmick that English was using in NXT. Honestly, it was fantastic. Like, I personally enjoyed it every week. Um, as far as Dillinger goes... His last few matches in NXT before he got called up were a bunch of losses, so it's it's gonna take it's gonna take some time to rebuild that character. But I think if they do it slowly, like the way they are, then he has a chance to make it. If not, then he's gonna be stuck in mid card obscurity, if even on a card at all. It's it's just a matter of patience, I think. Yeah, I, I can. Oh, what did you say? I'm sorry. Oh, so that's just how I feel about it. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I got you, and I mean, I agree to what both of you guys are saying. I like to see you know more potential out of him. He definitely has a lot of charisma, but you know, the more I think about it, when Chris mentioned it, like you know, he's not the greatest in the ring. It's like he has that tent thing, and everyone goes crazy. And I don't know. Maybe that's his like diamond for. The diamond cutter, I have no fucking clue. I'm just throwing out shit right now at this point. But let's keep on going to the last segment of the show. we got two things that we definitely need to talk about in the ugly category. Ugh. All right, well, this first one, there was two bad botches with Nia Jax and Charlotte Flair, uh, one involving her throwing her, and then the other one with the moonsault, both of them really not hitting well. Uh, how did you feel about this while you were watching it, uh, Thomas? The moonsault was scary. <laughs> like, 
that could have ended so much worse. I honestly thought Nia was completely knocked out. Um, but she came to relatively quick, and, you know, she got the win, which is nice. It's one of those things where I said I, I don't want to see her shove down people's throats, but for Charlotte to be leaving the brand, and Charlotte's another one who's done absolutely everything you can do on the Raw brand. It was a nice, little, I don't want to say passing of the torch, but it was definitely a nice little transition into the new era of Raw female superstars. Um, the turnbuckle spot, that, that could have went a little better. <laughs> That, that could have went a lot better. But, again, Nia's still young. She she has a ton of room to grow. Hopefully they don't, you know, they don't lose the the spark for her that they're trying to have. Dan, are you muted? Oh, hey, Chris, uh, what, what can I do for you? <laughs> yeah, I was muted. I was talking to myself, actually. Uh, how, how did you feel about this? Uh, honestly, there were some scary spots. The moonsault was scary. Uh, Naya was too far out and didn't go in to catch her, and she just got caught in the head with a knee, which is always scary. Like, I'm surprised she didn't get knocked out. Uh, then there was another spot where Naya went for a shoulder breaker, but it ended up being like a head breaker because she basically just dropped Charlotte, which was scary. And um, and I don't know if it's just Charlotte and her together, but it seems like it happens more when she works with Charlotte. So maybe the chemistry is just not there. Um, it made sense for her to win that match, especially it looks like they're building her for a title shot and Charlotte's going to be gone. So, you know, down the line, if they redraft, they, you can go back to that with Charlotte versus Nia. And it's not like uh, Charlotte didn't get squashed. I mean, she definitely got her offense in. So uh, that the the match itself was fine, but there was definitely some scary spots in there where both of them could have got serious, seriously hurt. And some of it is, you know, a lot of it, and I'm sure Thomas can elaborate on it, is making sure that not only you're taking care of yourself, but you're taking care of your opponent. And it kind of like that, like, went out the window halfway through that match. So oh, absolutely. It was scary. Absolutely. Yeah, like that's, that's one of the first things we're taught is not only to protect yourself, but to protect your opponent above all else. It's supposed to be you know, a show where we're working together. Don't go into business for yourself and, and don't hurt the person you're working because, hey, you know, the same thing can happen to you. It's that karmatic thing. That's nuts. Like, I wouldn't want to be hit like that, and I also wouldn't want to be slammed so hard against the ground like a concussion which our last ugly concept was Jinder Mahal. Man, he knocked the fuck out of Finn Balor. I, re- I said something to you, Chris, immediately afterwards. Like, that looked pretty freaking violent. Um, and Finn just stepped back, and it's like, God, like, I want – he's one of my favorite up-and-coming wrestlers, and I'd like to see him progress in WWE. He got the title for, like, what, two days? And then that All was day. it, and he was gone. A day. You know, and it's like, God, I mean – Gender has been sick before, but he's actually usually pretty damn in the ring. I don't think it was on purpose or anything. Shit happens, but it's just unfortunate. Uh, Chris, how did you feel about this? Were you happy and painting rainbows and shit? No, I mean, it's sad, it, you know, because this was a match Ben definitely needed to win to reestablish himself after being gone. And, 
he took that hard shot, which was definitely an accident. Jinder was looked super concerned as soon as it happened. Um, and he was able to finish the match, so props to him because he, I know he, he had to flash because they're saying he had a concussion. Um, it, uh, the match itself was fine outside of that one spot, but it kind of threw everything off. I'm glad that he was able to finish the match because if they literally had to put Jinder over Balor, that could have been heartbreaking for a lot of people. Um, so, yeah, it, it, was, it was a scary moment. And I, you know, shame on Raw for showing that as a replay. Uh, oh. I think with their concussions and all the stuff they have, they probably should have just not replayed that. It's not, it wouldn't have been that hard I def- to do. I definitely don't think that was Vince's, uh, uh, I'm sure he had nothing to do with that. And he's probably pissed off about that because I thought the same thing when we found out about him being out. Uh, Thomas, uh, how did this look on your perspective? I honestly, again, Chris nails it. Um, it. It was scary to watch Finn's face hit the canvas like that in slow motion on the replay, and just watching the impact of the forearm to begin with. Like Balor, he was out. Like I kudos to him for being able to finish, but it's it's one of those freak accidents that can happen at any point in time, and unfortunately, it happened to Balor and. Yeah, he's going to be on the shelf again for who knows how long right after coming back. It, momentum is everything. You have to have people behind you, and you have to have, like, everything going right at the right time. And this is definitely something that he didn't need right then and then. Right then and there, rather. That English thing, man, it's messing me up. I know, man. It's always like that. You know, uh, I'm sure Finn Balor's having real problems with freaking English. But, no, seriously, I hope Finn gets – I hope he gets, a, you know, gets better and gets in the ring. And that was just – when I saw that, I was like, yep, that's not good. That's like one of those situations that you see if you watch a football game or something. You're just like, yeah, it can't be good, you know, afterwards. But, all right, guys, we got through uh, SmackDown and Raw, went over that whole entire thing. I'm going to clarify and just go down the names um, for everything. Actually, I just realized that I did not mention and I, uh, the women's uh, for SmackDown. Um, not thinking about that, but Charlotte and Tamina are both on it. I didn't actually like that spot where Shane basically baited it with Tamina Snuka. And she came out, no one cheered for her, and I'm like, I'm looking forward to her, having her in this division. I actually would like to see her and Charlotte go after each other just for the novelty of seeing the daughters of Ric Flair and Jimmy Snuka one-on-one, but that was another thing. But uh, we'll go down the line. SmackDown got Chuck Flair, The New Day, Rusev, and Lana, Sami Zayn, The Shining Stars, Sin Cara, Jinder Mahal, Tamina Snuka, and either Kevin Owens or Y2J based on who wins the championship, um, which is nothing we'll be talking about. Uh, and uh, Baron Saxton went over there. Then we had, uh, for Monday Night Raw, The Miz, Maurice, Dean Ambrose, Bray Wyatt, Alexa Bliss, Mickey James, Paulo Cruz, Callisto, Heath Slater and Rhino, Kurt Hawkins, and David Otonga. Um, I guess that's going to be our, my first question for you guys. This, what do you think is going to happen with Kevin Owens and Y2J? Um, Chris, who do you Honestly, it's, it's, it's kind of up in the air because I thought that for sure that they were going to build something with Kevin Owens and Samoa Joe. So it could make sense to um, have Jericho win and then have Owens injure him because 
Jericho is on his way out and then vacate the title, and then you can do a title tournament um, on SmackDown or something like that. I, I, I kind of feel like we're going to get swerved with this, and Kevin Owens is going to end up back on Raw just because I, they, don't have, they don't have a top heel. In SmackDown, you can get away with it. It's a two-hour two show, and, and it's, easy, it's a little bit easier to book, but it's, it's scary to think about Raw right now without Kevin Owens because he's been carrying that as the top heel for the past year, basically, if you really think about it. No, I agree with you. Um, and, Thomas, how do you feel about that? I, I also agree. I, I would like to see Jericho win and get the move over to SmackDown and Owens back over to Raw. It'd be fantastic because, as you said, there is no top heel on Raw in the main event scene. And it, I, don't, I don't know. I feel like Owens will get, I don't want to say lost in a shuffle, but he definitely won't have the same momentum on SmackDown as he did on Raw, especially with people like AJ Styles there. AJ Styles, Randy Orton, it, they feel, I feel like they control the majority of SmackDown, in all honesty, and Owens will just become a, a placeholder, you know, someone they can just stick anywhere rather than the main eventer that he was on Raw. But who knows? You know, WWE has done weirder things. We'll see. One thing I was thinking about is that if you have Kevin Owens uh, lose to Y2J, that means that Y2J is now the U.S. champion. He's on SmackDown. Um, and then, if that's the case, AJ Styles has to win or go against, unless I'm wrong, the winner of that match. Am I correct on that? Yes. yes. We would get AJ Styles and Chris Jericho again which already was awesome, and maybe Chris Jericho can use that as a way of transition, give AJ the belt, and because it, it, it all depends on Chris is going to be going on tour soon with Fozzie in, like, the next, like, month or so. So I would assume that he has to go and, like, prep for that beforehand, being a musician, like, practice and stuff. He's been on the road with uh, WWE for such a while. That's going to happen soon, and I would love to see that swerve and have Kevin Owens go back on Raw and be able to mix things with certain people. Because that whole concept of Triple H, Samoa Joe, Kevin Owens building some type of dominating force, if you will, of a, of a uh, stable, it sounds really intriguing. Um, but, yeah, I, I guess now that we're at that point, I think that this is, this is where we can speculate. Let, let, let's talk about, like, booking. If you guys are the bookers, some stuff that you'd like to see play out. I'm going to throw out one thing that I don't think is too crazy. Um, I don't think we're just going to get a reunion. I think by the end of the year, the Shield will be back together, but they won't be the same Shield they were beforehand. The reason why I say that is because now all three of them are on the same platform. I think that Ambrose and Rollins are over, but they could be more. And if they're going to keep on trying to make Roman Reigns a babyface, that faction, the novelty mixed with the fact that people just like them and they could just dominate and kind of switch it, not so raunchy but kind of like more DX-ish where they're like, no, we're taking over this thing. We're taking over Raw. I think would be really appealing and I think people would really get into it. Um, I'm going to throw the concept towards you, Chris, and then if you want to like come up with something afterwards, go for it. Uh, whew. If Kevin Owens moves back over and they have Kevin Owens, Samoa Joe, and some other person that's heel, maybe Braun Anderson Strowman. and Gallows, Braun Strowman, they have to have people to face. 
Otherwise, the shield as a team is just kind of useless unless you're turning them all heel, which I don't think they're going to do. But, yeah, I mean, you just have to have someone for them to face. I mean, I guess they could, if, if Brock's going to stick around, it could be, you know, them trying to beat Brock, but then you're just going to simultaneously hurt three people's career instead of one person's career or vice versa. What, I, I just don't – it would be great, and people what if would they, love to see that. But what if they – what if they four horsemen did? What if they weren't? What if they were all trying to like individually dominate, but be have each other's backs basically? You know, kind of like evolution. Like, I want the intercontinental. Blah 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 blah. Like that was their whole goal. But evolution had people to go against. You're taking like three of your top contenders on Raw and putting them together in a group. Now, I think it could work. But if they want to do like individual. a one-off for. If they wanted to do, like, a one-off for Survivor Series or something, I think it could work. But other than that, like, I I don't know that fans are still going to be into it just because they've turned, they've soured on Roman so much, especially after the Undertaker thing. So um, I, I think it might indirectly hurt Rollins if he if he's going to be the face of Raw for right now. Um, so, yeah. I, I agree. I, I definitely agree. It's uh, it, it's one of those things where the Shield getting back together could honestly be the best thing for Roman, but Rollins definitely doesn't need it. Ambrose definitely doesn't need it. So it would be pointless to do, in my opinion, unless, like you said, they all went after Brock and then you know went back to shooting against each other. Well, uh, I guess I guess from the standpoint, like I wasn't presenting it as they were going to be like their old shield. This is kind of more like a brotherhood, I guess you will. And I honestly, I mean, I I don't think Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins are a hundred percent over myself personally. I, I I think they are with certain fans, but kind of like lose a little bit of themselves in the shuffle of everything. But who knows? Um, uh, the other suggestion I would like to see. Uh, I think I was already talking about and alluding it to earlier, would be uh, Kurt Angle um, kind of embracing his heel persona if they keep on chanting you suck over and over again. I kind of would like to see him kind of like get defensive about it, kind of do the gee golly gosh style, or even if you want to go straight, you know, since he's bald anyways, like that more aggressive heel I think would be kind of cool. And Sheldon Benjamin is going to be somewhere around here. I'm not saying that I want Team Angle to come back or anything like that, but it would be cool if he had, like, an ally that he could count on. And I would love to see him eventually wrestle someone, uh, maybe like Triple H at SummerSlam. But, yeah, basically what I'm saying is I'd like to see potential Kurt, uh, Kurt Angle pass just being a GM. Chris? Uh, I don't necessarily want him to turn heel just because Stephanie is also going to be a heel and she's coming back at some point. Um, but if they had a heel faction, like we were talking about with Samoa Joe, Kevin Owens, maybe Anderson and Gallows, or a couple other pieces, then you could have something where he assembles a team of his own people, and then you, you, you get that match, and then maybe you get him versus Triple H down the line. I think something like that could work. And uh, it's, he could turn heel. I mean, that's definitely a possibility. It's just there's enough like heel authority figures already on Raw that that kind of scares me a little bit. Like, the authority figures shouldn't be your main, your top heels. Like, they shouldn't be the main focus of the show, in my opinion. 
it worked with Vince McMahon, and it's only literally only ever worked with Vince McMahon. I can't think of another time where a promoter made himself like the top heel, and it works other than Vince McMahon and Austin. And that's just mostly because uh, they were both amazing at their roles. Well, Vern Gagne on Yeah, Vern Gagne, Eric Bischoff in WCW as part of the NWO. Vince Russo for a little bit. Vince Russo from New York. See, I'm like, I think think Vince Russo, like, era of WCW was, like, absolutely terrible. Oh, it absolutely was. And then the Eric Bischoff, Eric Bischoff, as far as, like, his role, it was fine with the NWO. It worked for a while, but they kind of buried it into the ground. But I, I should have specified, let's go WCW or WWF. Like, it's only, they've done the authority thing so much that I would kind of like them to steer clear of it. The Vern Gagne one, I completely 100% agree with. I think that, that did work. What was I going to say? What, if, what, what about a potential, what if, if there was a potential with, like, maybe, I don't, I don't think Charlie Haas is doing a goddamn thing. Uh, of him recruiting Shelton Benjamin and Charlie as like his enforcers. Does he still work? Is Charlie Charlie Hostel a worker? Uh, he does. He's a part-time he indie wrestler. In Texas. Texas. Says. Yeah, he he's done a lot of indie stuff in Texas over the last few years. I haven't seen him elsewise. Yeah, I mean, well, if they wanted to do something like that, that could, that could be cool. We'll see. Thomas, how do you feel about Kurt? What would you like to see happen with him this year? Uh, I would I would like to see a GM turn, or at least a hint at a GM turn, um, kind of like how he was when he was the SmackDown general manager. If he was going to work a match, like I, I said earlier about Daniel Bryan, but if he, if he had to do one on Raw to establish that, I'd say against Braun Strowman, simply because Braun at this point is being booked as an uncontrollable, unstoppable monster. So why not, you know, Kurt Angle finally snap and he's had enough and locks Braun right in the ankle lock, you know? It's something, something that I think the crowd will pop for hard, and it's something that I feel like would be an establishing point for Strowman as well. And it'll give him that extra push he needs to be even more over. Because, yeah, the crowd chants, you suck. But we all love Kurt Angle. Like, they love Kurt Angle. So it, it's, it's one of those things where it's going to take something drastic, like I said, like a Braun Strowman interaction for that to happen. That's, it's going to be crazy, the first interaction they have together. Um I'm trying to think of like any other type of thing I'd like to see with this year. I mean, they've got great potential with both sides with the people they have on it. I don't know. Uh, here's another. Just it doesn't have to be like a feud, but since you have the Hardys and you have a potential feud with uh, Bray Wyatt and Finn Balor, you know, maybe like on a Raw they made the two of them face each other. We can kind of have like potential of like a future for Broken Hardy versus Bray Wyatt. Or Finn Balor versus Jeff Hardy for being the two high flyers. That'd be something fun. Uh, can you can you think of anything, Chris? You'd like to see potentially? Um, I, Samoa Joe just dominating uh, for a long Hello, time, so, so they can build them up to go against either 
Braun or Brock in the near future. Because I think they're going to go Braun versus Brock would be my guess, if, I, if I'm guessing that far out. And um, that would be the perfect uh, – I mean, Samoa Joe and Braun would probably be able to have a pretty cool match as far as what they can do. Um, SmackDown-wise, um, I want to see the belt off Randy and on someone else, whether it be like a Nakamura or a Kevin Owens or an AJ Styles or wherever they go with that. Uh, and then, like, where's John Cena landing? That's interesting. It could be cool if he landed on Raw, honestly. If they wanted to do something like that, that could also be interesting. But my main thing is they need to – I they they got to do something to fix Miz after last Monday as far as near-future stuff because I think he's going to be super important going forward on Raw. Definitely. Thomas, do you have anything that um, you'd like to see booked? That I'd like to see booked? Uh, yeah, like a storyline play out this year or something. I, I'd fondly like to see Sasha Banks turn heel because they've, they've been hinting at it yes. forever. But other than that, off the top of my head, I, I can't really think of anything I'd truly like to see. I just I really want that to happen just so they can move on with the storyline, just so it can be something different because – at this point, with Charlotte being gone from the equation, there is no excuse to keep Sasha uh, Sasha as a face. I can completely like, agree. There's, there's, there's no reason. No, there's none. All right, well, we're going to get into our two questions that we had uh, submitted this week. Um, just some quick answers from us. Uh, definitely, I'll be posting every week for you guys to be able to ask some questions, and we'll answer them on the show at the end of the show. I'll also let you know that the draft that we're going to do, the little fantasy draft with the indie wrestlers and what promotions they would go to, we're going to be doing that probably at the start of the show next week, if not at some point within that show. But uh, here's the two questions, or I'll, I'll ask the first one and send it to you, Chris. Uh, if you could, if you could uh, make a WWE Bullet Club with Styles or Baylor leading, who would you put in charge? Uh, considering if they're if they're both on the same roster, um, honestly, I would probably put. <sighs> well, probably Balor because he's coming back from an injury, so he could easily turn, which you just did a face turn with AJ. So at this point, it would be harder, and then maybe have AJ battle him um, if they're on the same roster. If they're not on the same roster, then. Uh, there's lots of other people that you could build up. Rollins versus Bullet Club would be kind of cool. Or, I mean, if it, it, I don't know. It's kind of a weird concept because a lot. When I think Bullet Club, like even before AJ or Balor, I think Sinsuke, and I, I think Anderson and Gallows and, and those guys specifically, and now even more so Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. But if I had to do something with WWE, I would probably put that role to Balor currently because he's he's injured. So coming back, he could kind of do whatever the hell he wanted to. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think as opposed to a bullet club, you're probably going to get some sort of triple H creation and it might have Anderson and Gallows, the, the club involved in it. So you'll get, you might get like a bullet club light, but I don't know that we'll ever see it in, in WWE in full effect. 
No, and I, I agree with you, and because, I mean, all right, they already tried the Styles Bullock, well, the, him and the club. That's how they introduced uh, Gallows and Anderson, so I don't really see that them trying to go for that again. Honestly, I would like to keep Finn Balor by himself as a babyface because I like what he's doing right now. If they were to have some interaction with them, I, I agree you to put Gallows and Anderson in like something completely different, like a faction just with Kevin Owens and Smojo and Triple H leading it, or Kenny Omega or Adam Cole. WWE grabs either one of them. They're also leaders of the Bullet Club if you want to kind of like try to make that incarnation happen. Uh, Thomas, real quick answer, what would you do? On that question. Um. Well, if it was a Finn-led Balor Club, well, Balor Club. Wow. Well, there you go. If it was a Finn-led Bullet Club, I would go with Balor the Club. I would toss Sheamus in there as like a Bad Luck Fale style gimmick, and uh, let's bring up somebody from NXT. Let's bring up somebody like. Well, technically, he's not even NXT anymore. Let's bring up uh, Elias Sampson as, like, the Hangman Page. Uh, for an AJ Styles one, I would probably put AJ the club. The club has to be in it no matter what. Um, I can see Heath Slater being in it if there was a – if he was on the same brand. And then – one more person. I, I'm trying to think of one more person that I truly feel can fit that. Maybe Ty Dillinger. Maybe maybe Ty Dillinger. I feel like he That's it. he can pull that off. That's pretty interesting. I like that concept. Well, we got one more question, and we're you know getting towards the end of our show. So basically, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask the question, pass it, but you guys can say goodbye to everything. And I just want to say again, Thomas. We really appreciate you coming on the show tonight, man. We had a lot of fun talking back and forth with you. Definitely come back on later on in the future, uh, guessing, you know, another show. Um, and, you know, if you'd like to call in anytime, definitely call in. You know, you can chat with us. But uh, I'll pass this question to you, and then you can uh, exit yourself as far as saying goodbye to everyone. Uh, how would you fix Seth Rollins' gimmick? How would I fix Seth Rollins' gimmick? That's, that's a good one. Um, I like what he's doing now with the the whole Kingslayer gimmick. And no, no, note note that yeah. you have a minute forty one seconds to tell. <laughs> oh jeez, <laughs> oh, the pressure's on. Um, I would honestly switch him back to Trunks. I think a, a look, a, a change in look, would make the biggest difference above all. Um, he. He definitely has momentum on his side. He definitely has a crowd loving him. But he's been doing the same thing for, like, the last three years. He's super stale. And with, you know, both knee injuries now, he limits himself. Like, we all know he can do amazing things. I feel like if they put him back into the the feeling that he had in his early NXT days, that would be an amazing, drastic difference. And he'd feel more comfortable as himself, and he wouldn't try to force the gimmick he has right now. So I think that would be the major change. Just, just switch him back okay. to Trunks, and then you know, All right, well, let him fly. I like it, Chris. Quick answer, and uh, uh, give him, uh, give him, give him back his streak and his hair. 
change the tights out so he doesn't look like a Power Ranger, and uh, fucking change his finisher. For the love of Christ, change his finisher from the pedigree. Well, he already got changed, and I actually like the new one, but, you know, we'll talk more about that next week. You guys have a good one, and I say that he's fine, so you don't really have to change his skin. Ha ha, I cheated. You guys have a good one. Have a wonderful night. I'm lucky to be here. Peace.